Hi guys, welcome to episode 17 from Two and the Tackle. Kaz and I catch up again, we talk about the footy. Uh, we have our, our feature matches of the weekend, which is the Parramatta Eels versus the Penrith Panthers and the Newcastle Knights versus the Storm. So we talk about that. We talk about uh, halves combinations and potential for New South Wales and just, you know, a few things that happened over the weekend. Just had a bit of a yarn about those things as well. Uh, there was a few mistakes that I made. I confused uh, Jack Wyden and, and Munster. I think I called Wyden Munster, but I was actually talking about Wyden. And there was a time, and I do this all the time, I continue to call Daniel Tupo Anthony Tupo. Um, but yeah, if ever I say Anthony Tupo, 99 times out of 100, I'm trying to say Daniel Tupo. But anyway, um, hope you guys enjoy the show. Um, if you guys got any questions or, or anything like that, feel free. Hit me up and ask me and I'll answer. Or just some questions on um, just your ideas on some of the things that happened in the footy anyway. Anyway, so I hope you guys enjoy the show. Roll the intro. Yo, Kaz. Great to hear from you, mate. Mate, Kaz, it's always a pleasure. Anyway, 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 anyway. How was your weekend, Kaz? Mate, it was great. It always starts off brilliantly um, when you get a hide-in like that on a Thursday dished out by none other than the, the back-to-back champs. Well, um, and if that's not sweet enough, then look, I'm not going to lie. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a uh, true and true Chooks fan. Seeing South lose, that was a pretty smile on my face. And you add that, you know what, what, what makes that even better is that it starts out... You got you got your week off to a start the Thursday. You can't. Doesn't matter what happens for the rest of the weekend. Your team's already won. Then on the Friday, so not on the Sunday, but on the Friday, so you actually get to so you actually get to appreciate every other game as well. See how Sydney lose. So not only have they lost on the Friday night to make sure to guarantee a perfect weekend. We're blessed with the Queen's birthday long weekend. So we also get the Monday to salivate in the fact that Roosters have won and South Sydney have lost in the same. Yeah, no, it's always brilliant. Look, we've always said it, and look, it goes doubly, doubly, you know, depressing the other way. Correct, correct. Doubly depressing the other way. So you have you essentially uh, have two goals. Certainly wasn't expecting that kind of hiding. You know, I I did think we were going to be far too good for the Broncos. You know. I, yep. thought, I thought we'd win by 20. I didn't think we'd win by 60. Yeah, so it's funny you say that because partway through the first half, you said, I want 60. Correct. And then when you, said, when you sent me that message, I, I, I thought back instantly to the press conference after the semi-final against South City last year when the Roosters got to a 30-0 half or 30-6 or some sort of scoreline at halftime. And they it ended was 26-0. 26-0 at halftime and it finished 30-6. Yeah. South won the second half. And and in the presser, he said that it should have been fifty to not. And then yeah. the way that you explained it, and even him as well, but the way that you explained it was about um, it's not about trying to embarrass the opposition. It's what we're doing. If we do this for the next eighty, that's what we'll get. And that's what they exactly. did on on Thursday night. Is they got to a point where if they continue doing this, they should be getting sixty. If they don't continue to do this, then they haven't put in an eighty minute performance really. It's that ruthlessness that you want to see, you know. And look, obviously, as a fan, if it's your team, look, if it's your team and you're on the Roosters' end of it, it's great, you know. I mean, to a to a non 
Roosters banning, you see, like when I've seen it, other, if you're watching the footy and you see one team flogging the other by 50 points to nothing, you know, it's not a gripping contest. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. but as a fan, it was great football. Yeah, it like, was just classy football. But um, something that's happened since this rule change is a lot of landslides have happened, hasn't there? And is that, something that we, is that something that we want for that game? Or is there just going to take a little teething for teams to be able to uh, stay in the contest at a higher high intensity for longer? I think there'll definitely be, you know, there'll be an adjustment over this next month, really, like as, as coaches sort of work out what's going to work best for their teams and how to handle, um, you know, more uh, resilience to be able to handle, as I mentioned, changes, the best defensive sides. Um, as Robo said, the best defensive sides will be able to, you know, stay in that contest longer. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, I think he's right where it says it. I think it will separate the top from the bottom. And maybe part of that's because there are there is a group. Of, I mean, there's always a group of teams. It's whether it's three, four, or five each year that you go look. These are the teams that are really fighting that to win that we think can actually win it. And there's a few in the middle that you know might take a bit off here and there off those topper teams and they'll beat some bottom teams but they'll also lose to them but they'll make up the, the bottom part of the eight and then there's you know then there's the four teams um, but I th- it just might it just might grow it you know the only thing I worry about is do we see it more like AFL where you see some of those score lines where teams get beat by where the good team plays four team and it's like well they're going to win by 80 mm. you know so I mean in two rounds we've had 16 matches and this week we had Three games, um, which were decided by ten points or less. Yep. Last week, last week there was two. Well, there was there was one and a draw. Yeah. So, and it's not just like thirteen plus. Like, I mean, we've seen you know twenty, thirty plus. So, I don't yeah. know. We'll see. It'll be a teething period, but I mean, I guess you have to just ask yourself. And this is why I think you need to. We need to look at it over four, five, six weeks because the first two weeks, everyone's just pumped to have the footy back. Yeah. One team could be winning forty to ten each, every game, but people are just excited to have footy back because it got taken away from us and we lost it for two months. After a month, that might wear off, and there's not as many gripping contests. But look, we still had a lot of great games of footy. Yeah, so, absolutely, no complaints. Well, when the Roosters put on a fifty-nine to nil performance, they obviously could take the cake for the performance of the week. But was there any other performances that caught your eye this weekend? Oh, mate, absolutely, the Newcastle Knights. Newcastle Knights. Oh, maybe the Raiders have picked a little too early, eh? People think I'm crazy, man. People think I'm crazy. But anyway, no, no, it's more credit to the Knights, right? Maybe that win down in Melbourne is not as, is, is not as great as you, want, as you think it might be. Yeah, that's true. That's true as well. But also, also the other thing, sorry, just quickly on the Raiders is Munster didn't play very well. Three errors in the first half. Sean, Sean's nickel Clockstead didn't play at all that well. So in terms of what I was talking about, maybe, maybe, maybe... They just don't have the 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 um, the consistency just as yet. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And look, you know, it's still still round. Well, it's round four, four. but it's like the second round we've had after having a break of so the new it's season. Still, it's early of the new days schedule. We're yeah. trying to sort of graph that. And look, you still can't take anything away from the Raiders last week in the fact that they beat Melbourne three times in Melbourne in the last 12 months. Yeah, true. Right, I bet. That's enough about the Raiders. Let's talk about the Knights. Yeah, mate, that was impressive. That was impressive. You know, I was, I was really impressed last week, as I said. 
um, about how well they defended and just yep. fought in the game. You know, obviously already already not having Ponga and then losing Pierce and then losing Watson and having these young guys out there. And maybe Penrith should have put them away, but they're also missing Cleary too. You know, uh, yep. or sort of got their they're more their leader to guide them around. But the way they fought their way back in in defence. When teams defend well, you know that's when you want to see, think they're the real thing. So I wanted to just be able to see, can they back it up against the you know yeah. last, last year's grand finalists? Yeah, premiership contenders. And, genuine premiership contenders. Well, after the last week, you know, as people like to jump on one thing and the other, oh, Raiders, premiership favourites, let's, you know, these guys are the front runners. So, and look, they gave them a tally. <laughs> they didn't. They end. did. Like, they did. Like, it, there was a little bit where they hit back with a couple of tries and it was within 10 points. So you, I, I never... I never wrote them off completely because, you know, there's some Josh Hodgson and Jack White and some Papalis in that side, but it was just, you know, it was, when it's 28-6, um, you know, that's that's quite a performance. They defended really well and they've just, they've got strike everywhere. Yeah. I thought Josh Papalis' try was just so, um, just, just shows how actually dominant he has been for the last two or three years is that yeah. he just needed a football 10 metres out. He was all on his own. And he made and it just made me look at him and go like, yeah, that, that's the type of type of uh, charge that a front row that's on the top of his game does. When well, no one was going to stop him. Hmm. Well, it feels like it's definitely... Uh, his, his fitness over these last couple of years has been massive in him, you know, moving up the ranks as, you know, as one a of front the top row, front yeah. rowers in the game, if not the top front rower. Yep. You know, that ability to play big minutes, but not just play big minutes. Like, it's one thing to be able to, you know, yeah, you can fight your way out there, but it's runs like that with 15, 20 minutes to go. Um, you know, defending hard, not missing tackles and still having, you know, what we always say about Shane, the famous saying about Webkey is his last run was as strong as his first run. Yeah. And that's what you want from a front row. Like, that's what I think has happened for the Hargraves definitely in these, these last few years is, he really has and he's spoken about this how much he prides himself on his fitness yeah. um, you know he's like look when these rules come in he goes it works out good for the guys who can play big minutes and like we've seen Hargos play 80 and yeah. you know being able to I suppose this is the benefits of these rules by having extra bit of extra pace um, in the game you know more chance of fatigue there's these stronger fitter teams um, you know it can be able to stay in this contest a bit longer and when you've got players like Papali who can, who can still give you that punch at the end because yeah. you know what the little guys are going to do when he's still got a big guy he's still going to run through tired people as well and he's a big guy yeah well you know you, you are right it has only been two weeks but after two weeks of this new interpretation or newest uh, adjustment to the rule after two weeks mind you it does look as though the cream has been rising to the top. One thing we did fear, which still is the potential after you know six to ten weeks, is that it could just spread it, uh, spread it out, make it a lot more even. Which is probably one thing you do want, but you didn't want it to be one of those ones where it sort of just flipped the game upside down. And you don't just, want it to be even in the sense that people, have, there's more teams that have a chance because there's more luck. Yeah. You want it to, you love it when it's even because it's just there's a more even spread of talented teams yeah correct um, that's how you want the evenness to be you just didn't want it to be rewarding poorer performances whereas it looks correct. like it's actually rewarding better performances hence it another is, reason it, why it the blowout to the performance big time yeah, yeah. Um, the thing with back to the Knights and the Raiders though Bradman Best scored another double which is oh. you know a big sign when you're talking of an outside back uh, a young outside back knowing that they can score tries but for me to see a young outside back 
18, 19 this year, I think he is. 19, he's played less yeah. than five first grade games. He's he's always been probably the best player in every team that he's been a part of. And yet he's coming into first grade, 19 years old this year, and he's already willing to do the tough carries. Yeah. It's now, one thing to score the tries, but if you... that by a guy the ball as much as possible. Yeah, he, he does look a little chunky. Um, but what what I'm what I'm, what that that just impresses me is that he knows there's two ends to a back outside back these days. There's the inside the twenty, your twenty, and their twenty, and that's where that's where you get your paid these days as an outside back. It Anthony Tupo, yeah. Blake Look, Ferguson. It's a, it's definitely a shift you've seen in 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 the role of outside backs. How important it is, you know, the strong sides have. Um, the best those outside guys, those big players, those big outside backs that could do a lot of hard yards. You know, it's something that the Roosters have been very successful in, as, as really, you know, builds a lot of their platforms. Starting their sets when Tupo and Morris or Tedesco or whether it was Blake Ferguson, like these guys just doing these big hard carries, like and well, it really throws the team off. Well, if you look at it, the the Dragons, their wingers are Jordan Pereira and uh, Ravalawa. Mika Ravalava or something like that. They're, they're not in the same class as Blake Ferguson. They're not in the same class as Tupo. Uh, and if you just take a look at the Roosters, they've got quality across the board and it starts from their outside backs. The whole game, you know, the the, the Parramatta Eels, they, they, they lost a semi, Rad Radra. And as soon as they lost him, they lost all their go for. They picked up... Uh, Sivo and Blake Ferguson the same year last year. Was it last year, their first yep. year together? And bang. Yes, yes. Bang. Top yeah, like that. four, were they? No, they uh, were just they were outside the top, top four. They were fifth. They were top four in 2000, last year, or they were fifth? Yeah, sorry. They were yeah, fifth. sorry. They, they won the first week, lost the second week. 17, they were top four. Yeah, 17. With Semi. With Semi Radraja. And, and yep, so, yep, like... So- it's just another point as to highlight as to why the winger is so important these days. Is that if is a winger more important than a centre? Oh, I think it is. I mean, I th- outside of probably outside of the few really classy centres who um, have that game-breaking ability. That in the past it was always you know you you had your best centres, um, yeah, and then you yeah. just had these other the other blokes on the wing, and you know someone <laughs> comes around, you just go, "Oh, I'll just pick." For, pick the four best centres and put the other two on the wings. Yeah. You know, maybe not to that extent, but quite often you did see centres play on the wing. Yeah, full backs, yeah. Now, like there's a lot more focus on like that's a much more specialised position. That's a much, definitely. And and the thing is, Best was playing centre and he was still doing the carries. So it's like both the wingers need to be able to carry back and it's either a fullback or a centre that needs to carry it back big with heavy carries. Yeah. With heavy carries, right? Um, and so, for example, if you look at uh, Parramatta, They've yeah. got the two wingers, and I believe, I believe that Gutho does a few of the carries, a few of those he tough carries, carries. Oh, right? Man. He's a fantastic running. And then Jennings, Jennings gets in there a little bit as well, but you don't see that much from Wonga Blake. Then no, you come back to true. the Roosters. You go back to the Roosters. We had the two wingers, so Morris and yeah. Tupo, and then but yeah. we had Tedesco done bringing some tough carries back. So Latrell didn't. Yes. Latrell never needed to do that. Yeah, no, they saved him, saved his juice for the, the when we're in the attacking half. Now yeah. we're going to feed him the ball. We want you to monster through someone. So you need to have about three. If you've got four, that's always better, obviously. But you need minimum three guys who are top-line uh, back, outside backs that can bring the ball back to you now. Yeah. 
And so when you, t- need three, you need three guys running 150 plus meters. Yeah, you there know? you go. Exactly. That's it. That's exactly what it is. You need, you know, you need, you need at least, you know, 50 car- almost 50 carries out of out of you know three of your your back five. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to really know they're putting in the work, and usually the times you don't see it is maybe when they lose. When they lose, you know, yeah. You don't, you don't often see it from a team that that wins and those back um, those backs that don't have those big big carries and big beaters that they sort of churn through. Haven't uh, done their role, and I just we we sat behind the Roosters in the second half, and Morris was diffusing all the bombs, and Tupo was doing all the tough carries, and I just was watching that because the Raiders had all the ascendancy, so essentially all our play was off was essentially rucking it out for most parts of that second half, and those wingers are the reason why we're in a position. For our centers to shine, so I don't think I don't I do I don't think that the center is more important than the winger. No, sorry, I don't think the winger is more important than the center. Sorry, because the center is the guy who's going to win you the game. But the wingers these days, they're the guys who no, now I put think you. The fullback. I think the fullbacks or, or the halves are the yeah. guys that are going to win okay. you the game. Sorry, sorry, but when compa- sorry, you're right. But in reference to the wingers and the and the centers, who's more important out of those two is the our wingers allowed us to remain in the contest and and then Latrell was a, was the centre that actually got us the job done. I think as well, it's not just what the wingers can do to allow for your other attacking players to yep. give them juice in the attacking half. It's yep. what it does to your forward pack. Yep. You know, when, and so, like, again, we look on the Roosters, you know, who are, you know, I think they really set the benchmark on this in the work that those back guys do coming out of their own end with really strong carries, getting quick play to balls, but it gives those forwards, the guys in that middle like Hargraves and Radley, you know, and Cordner, this gives them a bit of juice. So when when we put a kick in, they're fucking firing down that corner and then those that, that next set, they've got that, that energy to get off that line real quick and quickly turn the ascendancy and keep that team trapped inside that 30 or 40. So then they're winning that field position battle. Yeah. And they've, they've got that, you know, they've got that energy for the defense too. Because it, obviously it's such a big difference when you see a team that gets good line speed compared to, and it's just, it only takes one quick play to ball. Um, and, and it's sort of, it can shift that momentum a little bit. But if you're jamming up off your line, uh, especially when you've got them down the other end, then it, it can really give you the ascendancy in that, in that arm wrestle and allow you to sort of break it open for those guys like the Latrell Mitchells, the Joey Manus. Um, the Michael Jennings, the Cam Munsters, oh, the, the Jack Waters, you know, you, or your Tommy Turbos and whoever else, because because you've been able to really sort of grind him into it. Yeah, and Michael Jennings. Just speaking of Michael Jennings, I'm watching him play for Parramatta, and and he was he was giving it his all last year for Parramatta. But I feel as though when I watch him now and I see him playing, he probably was playing like this last year, but I definitely noticed it this season. He is playing like. He knows he's in a squad that can win the comp. Mm. So well, he, he made said up that he, earlier in the year, didn't he? He, 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 he? Did he say that? He said, he said, oh, this is just, he goes, it's just, it feels like 2013, this group. This wow. Group. Wow. Like wow. Oh, now I feel like. It's uh, the same feeling I had in 2013 in that, you know, you, there's a lot of belief that we can do it this year. Well, well there you which go. Which what you want. It's so important. Believe, you've got to believe you can do it. I'm not saying he's playing better than that, but he, you can see on his face that he's playing like he knows he's in a squad that can get it done. And yeah, and just to hear you say that, just, quick. it just confirms... Quick, is it? Is it? That's what it is? No, 
know what I said. He's still quick. Not, I'm not saying that's oh, what okay. he is, but yeah, he's yeah. still quick. He is still and quick. He's a little, and he's a little wiser and he's a little smarter. Because yes, he he's time. smarter. I don't reckon he's quicker though because Blake called about and said he's slow. No, I don't think he's quicker. He's because he must be quicker. But he's, he's, he's still looking quick. Slower. But I still think he looks quick. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, the thing is, Michael Jennings was or has always been lightning. You know, maybe he's not quite lightning now, but he's still faster than most people. I think he's rugby league lightning because I seen Sean Johnson running down at 40 metres one time and I was gobsmacked. So yeah, that's, but he's got that 20-metre 20 20 speed. Yeah, he's got that, that zoom, and he'll get you, that, and just yeah, all he explosive, needs. The explosive, the explosive power. But he's still there got that. Go. He's still got that. And and he's got the sparts now, and 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 also with Parramatta, you know they've got to be a bit more consistent. They've got to be a bit more consistent. But offensively with Parramatta, they've just got so many strikes now, don't they? Yeah, they've yeah, got so time. many strikes. They've got that Dylan Brown who is coming along just nicely. I wish I knew about plants and I could compare him to, to a flower blossoming or or to some sort of <laughs> herb how it grows into something spectacular. That, that's that's yeah. how I feel with Dylan Brown as he's, he's going at the right pace. You can well, see it and he, of, you know it's coming. same sort of thing about him like Brand, uh, Bradman Best in that you just, he just almost, he walks around there like he belongs from the from the beginning. Yeah. Soon as you know, from, when first, from when he first played last year, he was like, man, this guy's got some balls on him kind of thing. Like, you're like, this, fun, this like 18, 19-year-old kid is just, mate. Like, so, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot to... There's a lot to uh, like about this Parramatta fan. There's a lot to like about Parramatta, especially if you're a Parramatta fan. I mean, they've got, like you said, they've got strike weapons all across their, their back line. Mitchell Moses is playing out of his skin. His kicking game has been great. His defense has been great. Um, and they've got, a, they've got a really strong forward pack. Yeah, that four um, pack's going forward. Yeah, you know, they have a really strong four pack. Reed Marnie, <laughs> also, they've also got a really, they've got a really young spine. Yeah, you know when you consider how how you know quite good they are. You know Marnie's only what like, 22. Moses like, would be the oldest though. Um, Mitchell Moses is 25. And how old's Gutho? 26. And Gutho's 26. Yeah, you know, and he's and he's a skip. And, but like, they're Gutho's, all foreign cats. They're yeah, foreign cats, bro. That's the most impressive part. Is that they're now firing Marty? Yeah. Ted and Kemp's had his eye on Marty for since last year. He had his eye on him, um, but I still I think Jake Friend deserves it. I don't give a fuck. Correct. I don't give a Correct. fuck if they're looking looking towards uh, the future. They got to look at the fucking now. And Jake Friend is the now. Correct. I he's, agree. I agree. He's earned that spot. He's he's got the runs on the board. And if they don't pick him, it's like when they never used to pick freaking. Phil Jacques or Simon Kadich when they'd score fucking three three hundreds for New South Wales and then they'd still look past them. That's what it's like yeah. with Jake Friend. He's just scored too many runs. If you don't look, pick him, you just you're mad. This is a it's a rep team. You know, it's, this is not your club team where you go, all right, let's let's build for the future and give this person reps. It's yeah. a three game series. And I'm sure that's how Kevin Walters sticks as well. Yeah. You know, it's this is a three game series. I need to pick the best team to win. Yeah, yeah. We got so, stuck into um, a time where we needed to reboot. Which is real weird, real strange this year to to, ha- to have it so far away because we're so used to the big that first two months of the season is all about building towards origin. Yeah. Um but, but now we just get longer to do it. But look, I will just just on that Parramatta Manly game. Yeah. Um, obviously, we know it was it was a very close finish in the end. Yeah. But it was it was still very impressive for the way Parramatta, you know, got themselves into a position of being up eighteen two. Yep. True. 
you know, I, now to be fair, Manly probably did, they, you know Manly would like to take some things back. They they made a few too many errors and, and weren't able to sort of stay keep some momentum and apply some pressure. But hey, that's not Parramatta's fault. And Parramatta, you know, they've been doing a lot of the, those little things. Even in that first game before these rule changes against the Bulldogs, where they were scrappy, and we know the Bulldogs aren't strong. But yeah. it's, winning when you're not playing your best is. Is what really sets aside the champions from from those uh, who are the pretenders. Yeah, so, well, well, the, the that last ten minutes just shows why they're a force. It's because they actually yeah. know that in their in their down deep in their plums, they know they can score. Yeah, they know they can score. Yeah. And the 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 truth, the fact of the matter is, they scored a try there. Um, I was outraged because uh, my tip was Manly. I have a soft spot for Manly. Turbo is my favourite player. Jerbo is my second favourite player, followed by Des Hazard my second favourite coach. So it, it goes like that. I, I really wanted Manly to win, and when they got robbed, then I was filthy. So it brings us to yeah. the point where we can we can see the replay. You and I, we can see it all week about the pass. The video ref gets us. Oh, sorry, the the referee's boss watches it on replay. Everyone else is allowed to watch it on replay and make a decision on whether it was forward or not, except for the only person who can make a call on it. Who's yeah, the only no, one who can't watch it on a baffles, replay? It baffles me. It baffles me. You know, I'm with you there. I'm with you there big time. With you know, if, how can we have running commentary and in and the head of football to come out like within an hour of the game to say, yeah, no, they got it wrong. It's like, well, why don't we make the call on it? Like. We're making the calls on uh, on zooming in on seeing if a guy got a fingertip on a ball and then it bumped into the guy that he's competing with the ball for to then catch it and put it down. But we can't call on the forward pass. Yeah. Not yeah. Really sense. I had the one when two guys from the same team got for a ball, a kick, a crossfield kick, and one guy who's missed it, but it's grazed, grazed his hand, and the other guy clean catches it. And then they take that off him as a four pass or a knock on, or mm. so I just think if they're all up in there in that contest, once they come down, that's when you can start discussing it. But if there's bubbles up there in the contest, fucking let it be. Well, Play on. Yeah, you know, there's always there's always things in rugby league that you know we could continue to have gripes about, and it's almost what sometimes keeps some of the yeah. Uh, that, that's the not as important. Going. So we got things as you've said many times, we're winges. That's where not as important as... was born in the north of England, where they're the king of whinging, um, and we brought it down south. You know, my biggest pet peeve on, you know, when you talk about some of these... Yeah. When you talk about finger, fingertip to fingertip, the thing that I that baffles me is when a bloke kicks it, they, you know, they put it... You know, they kick him on last, and they kick the ball, and then it hits a guy's foot, and then it goes out. Wasn't played at. Yep, okay, wasn't played at, so that means the team that... Uh, it. Who it came off? The team who, who it came off gets the ball. Well, I didn't play at it, but yet when a player goes in and takes the tackler and tackles them, but they throw that they throw the pass and the ball hits the, the hand, but then it's, it doesn't matter. In that instance, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like oh no, no, it's a knock on. It's like I didn't play at it. I'm tackling him. He threw the ball into my hand. Oh, it doesn't matter. You were the defender. Yeah, they should. But not if you kick. No, but not if you kicked it at him. So what if would you, you do? It at him, would you say if, if you, you kick, kick it, it at him? Then it, then it's, it, could be, it can be not played out, but if you pass it at his hand while he's tackling you, yeah, and so basically you're you're not being rewarded for rushing the guy with the ball and he's not able to get the pass off. 
But anyway, that's for another time. Yes, yeah, they're definitely not as important as allowing the video ref to call it a forward pass. They're all little yes. things that can be done in time, like they address the freaking uh, and knocking the trainer, and depending on which half of the field is who's the attacking team, then they address that straight away. They should be well, addressing. Look how long we had quarter posts for, and they were they were part of the field of play, but sometimes they were leaning, you know, forty five degree angles in, in or out of or the, out. the post. So yeah. Yeah, it took us a long time to change that. <laughs> it was in or out. Depending on how the corner post was with dictate, like, was it play or not? Defending that corner, I would be going out there, <laughs> turning that post on, like you know, not obvious because, like, then you know, maybe a touch is going to come over, but just like maybe seventy degrees in. So yeah. like, now he's got less to work with. If you can do that to the field, that's an issue. <laughs> like, like imagine, imagine if you just had, imagine if the lines on the sideline instead of being painted on, it was just like. It was like a sticky strip. And you could just go, you know what, I'm just going to move part of that strip in a little bit. Yeah. You know, half, you know, 30 yeah. centimetres. That's yeah. exactly what it would be like. It was like that for years. All right, I've got a couple of things I want to chat about. All right. Shoot. One thing is uh, the spine for New South Wales and the potential candidates. All right. Yes. But firstly, before we go on that, we've got some two cracker games coming up this weekend. First game. Eels versus the Panthers. Yeah. What are your that thoughts? Be a Battle at West. Well, yeah, well, now we get to see. We get to see Cleary back. Yep. Um, which Who's I that think is obviously a, a plus. You want that for a big contest like that between Parramatta and, and Penrith. And we'll get to see how, for me anyway, how much uh, what, what Penrith are made of. Before the season started, I was uh, skeptical. You know, yep. just based off what I've seen. And I go, they need, they need to prove to me before I can really believe it. Yep. And, you know, we obviously haven't had Cleary for these last two weeks. Cleary, sorry. Um, but their defence has been impressive. You know, even though they're playing the Warriors, you know, who we all know that they're missing a bunch of players and they're playing in another country. Um, but they still won 26-0, you know, convincingly. And they defended really well. Um, now, the Warriors didn't have as much to throw at them as what Parramatta will. Um, but there does seem to be a, a, a bit of a shift in their, their defensive attitude. Now they've got a real test against Parramatta. Um, you know, it is a real, it is an out and out battle of the West. Yeah, this is great. Well, this I, is I great. think the, I want to see, and I want to see who's going to play six for Penrith. Yeah, well, the Panthers, the Panthers, they played the Roosters round one. Uh, yeah, Roosters got out to an early lead, and the Panthers ended up running it down and ended up winning that game. So you got to say that was their first real test. But they caught the yep. Roosters a little off guard. They didn't play with yes. their captain. That's fine. The Roosters got off to a start, so they actually deserve to win it. They can't really just fall back on the fact that uh, it was round one because at the end of the day, Roosters got out to a 12-0 lead. Yep. It could have even been more and then blow it from there. Um, yep. But again, showing a little bit of consistency. They've got to you know do it throughout. Since the re- relaunch of the new schedule, this is the Panthers' first real test. And uh, it'll be, you know, Eels passed last week. They got the win as a cherry on top. But even if Manly went over and scored at the bell there, you would, you actually previously stated that you were giving them a pass mark for their performance yeah, on the weekend. for sure. Because, look, at the end of the day, I rate Manly. Like, I, yes. I think they're, they're a genuine premiership threat. And they're a side that can do that to you. You know, be down 18-2 and get back in the contest. And it wasn't because Parramatta just made... A shitload of errors and then you know dropped the ball and you know tightened up it was just manly just found some gears and got some shit to happen got a couple penalties and some momentum and some of their best players made stuff happen so yeah you know 
they showed me that you know they showed me their their metal, their metal there. So let's let's see what they can do against Penrith. Yep, exactly right. And then who, who, do, you the, think, who do you think should be six for Penrith this week? Oh, well, of those last two games, I felt burdened was the the one that was shining more. Yeah, uh, I agree. He, uh, that's who I thought, but I, I just got a sneaking suspicion they're going to go with Lua. But the, if if the last two games were the trial, I think Burnham won the trial. Yeah, he seems, he, he seems, you know, he's really composed for a young guy to come in. Um, he looks day, like he's I comfortable he there. played a couple of games. Played a couple of games last year, I think. Yeah, one or two. I had seen him um, play before. But he, he, I think he's really good. Yeah, I think he's really good. I think he's got a little bit more first grade half in him than, than Jerome Lewis. Jerome Lewis still got a lot of individual kind of um, brilliance and flair with him, but some, sometimes doesn't always make as uh, uh, as much of the, I guess, the calm, intelligent decision. Now, we've got a couple, a couple of weeks. There's not a lot to go off, but I would I would expect to see Burton and Lewis on the bench. Yeah, okay. Because he can come in at nine, he can come in on, at nine as well, you know, yeah. and, and Abby can have a bit of a spell. And I also feel you know, like... You know, I'm making 60 tackles. Yeah, well, back to what you were saying about Lua having a little bit more spark. I think that's what he could offer off the bench, and you know you can have. But then again, do you think Burden and Cleary could be a little bit too calm for each other? They need a little bit of sugar and spice. Mm. No, no, I don't think so. I okay. think I think that I think that would be good for him. You know. Yeah. You know, Cleary. Cleary's. Whenever I see Cleary play his best is when he runs the ball more. Really? So if you've got another, if you've got, I think well, so. If you've got another half, um, like huh? Burton, who you can sort of feel trust, you can trust a bit more with, you know, some kicks and some organisation. Then, then Cleary, obviously Cleary's going to be the, he's going to be the, the chief of those things anyway. He's going to um, be running the team a lot more than Matt Burton will be. But it, I think it does help take that little bit of pressure and allow Cleary to, you know. You know, be that attacking threat that he can be as well. I mean, he's—I think he's good when he runs the ball. When he doesn't run the ball as much, I don't think he's as, as much of a presence. Yeah. Do you think with the halfback, similar, or definitely as a front row, you need to punch through the line to earn your ball play? Is that the same with the seven as well? Do they need to start poking their nose through before they can start to look to see what else is out there? Well, look—if you always pass the ball, then then you know you're going to get a few guys that want to put some pressure on you, but they know you're always going to pass the ball, so you've got to you've got to threaten them yeah yeah right. that's what that's what I love about you know or you've got to take it to the line at least you know maybe you might, might maybe you might do four or five runs in the game but they're four or five good runs yeah you know, that's what that's what Kiri's so good at is he just he just takes it right to the line like it just pass it you know he holds it up as long as he can he's not afraid about getting hit because he's going to put Boydie through a hole but I also think he's very very he plays so fast so quick, man. So he's just on the ad line real quick, and he's just, so he's yeah. quick. It just means their decision making's a lot uh, harder, just harder, more yeah, difficult. Well, he just he can get on the outside of his, um, you know, his opposite quite quickly, and that puts that makes the defence make decisions. Yeah, and obviously when you've got guys like Cordner and Joey Manu and Tupo and Tedesco who are running inside and outside you, like you don't need any more threats. <laughs> so um, with with Kiri, with Cleary, you know, you've got Viliami kick out there. Um, who's obviously a big threat for them. They what they need to do this year, I think, for Penrith is they need to have more more threats than kick out. Yeah. And they have ex- they have expanded on on that. I think they they do have a more stronger side across the board, but they 
in the past they've got stuck where they've all right whether they've got to chase points or they're trying to break through a team and they they don't look like they have as many answers because I don't think they have as many weapons to, to sort of bust that open and that comes from you know uh, when you're comparing some of those top sides that have that like Parramatta who have Clint Gutherson fullback who's lethal they've got you know Moses and Brown who are going to threaten they've got these big wingers in Sevo and Ferguson they've got Michael Jennings and Wanda Blake like you know that's just the back line um so they've got a lot of guys that are going to throw it at you. And it's not that, you know, Penrith have got weapons as well, but I know, and maybe Kickout just stands out more because of how threatening and, and deadly he can be in comparison to the guys that you lump next to him. But that's what you, I need to see this year more from Penrith to really go, these guys are a threat. Yeah, that Capewell on the other side of the field, he's shown some win. promise in the last couple of weeks. He's good. He was really good for the Sharks last year. Oh, that was a really good buy. I think that was a great buy. That's the kind of player the Broncos need to buy. Yeah, the Broncos. We won't. We won't talk about the Broncos. We've had I don't our want to say. Spend too much time talking about losing teams. <coughs> We've had our teams. say on the Broncos over the weekend. All right, what's the other game you're looking forward to this weekend, mate? This one is what I will be tuned in for: the Newcastle Knights up against the Melbourne Storm. Yep, right on. Key matchups in there: uh, McCulloch and, and uh, Cam Smith, uh, the fullbacks yes, Ponga, yes. Pappenhausen. Oh, uh, Pappenhausen. The halves. You got Pierce. You look at Pierce. I sort of. I know it's not exact positions, yep. but Pierce and Munster. Yep. Yeah, the key halves going at each other. Um, and then you know, obviously the the little bit that happens with the with the forward packets. Can Newcastle continue to back up the defensive pressure and the defensive performance that they put together? We know that they've got points in it. We saw it last year. Yeah. I mean, fuck. We just, we, when you got Caelan Ponga and Mitchell Pierce and these kind of guys in your team, you know you can put points on them. But their problem was they could win by 20 last year and then lose by 30 the next week. So some more positive signs there and a real chance to kind of... Look, I guess that's why you said that when you talk about the Raiders going down to Melbourne um, and, and getting that win and how big of a win it is. Now, I know this game's not in Melbourne, but the Storm are a, a, the a benchmark target, yeah. for the last decade and a half almost. Yeah, exactly. And they're always going to be a barometer to where you set your standard of how you play. Because the, the Storm... The Storm, they very, very rarely beat themselves. And you need 80 minutes to beat them. If you're not in a fade 80 minutes, you, you will lose the game. Simple as that. They'll get you, you in do. the 80th minute. And so that that's another reason why they're always going to be a force to be reckoned with. That's another reason why they've got to be in the top four. And it's another reason as to why I was why I was so brazen in saying that, that if that's the best that the Raiders have got, you've got to be worried that it's pretty early in the season. That's all I was yeah. saying. Is that I think they can be better. You beat Melbourne. Be you beat Melbourne. You've just done an eighty-minute performance. I don't think Melbourne were, were were great last week. No. Yeah, I don't think Melbourne were great last week. But it's still, not to take anything away from the performance, just they still comprehensively beat the Storm in Melbourne, and they look like they've got their number. But Melbourne weren't great. Yeah. Um, and probably Cam- and I think Canberra could be better. Like, you know. So yeah, yeah Knights. This night Storm game. I'm. It's probably I'm probably the most excited for this game. How do you, you know, think Newcastle, the, How do you think the battle between Daniel Saifidi and David Klemmer will be up against uh, Nelson Asafa Solomona? Is he back? Yeah, he's back. Yeah, he's back. Uh, and Jesse Bromwich, but there's also Dal yeah. Finucane, and they had uh, Brandon Smith, the cheese, starting yeah, the as cheese. well. Yeah, well, interesting to see if we're if he is off the bench or, or starts this week. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, I think they should and give him another start. Back. I think they should really give him another cool. start because they won the last game with him starting. Yeah. So continue. What yeah, else do you want to do? From, hearing from what Bellamy, Bellamy said and then also Christian Welch um, on was on uh, to the boys on Triple M on the weekend. Yeah. 
and he's just coming back off a you know, another ACL ACL injury. So I think for both the player and the coach, they're probably happy for for him to just ease his way in, and you know, yeah. it allows people like Brandon Smith to just kind of get the cheese on. Yeah, I always I always find that a little bit strange when coaches say they want to ease back a player in, and they'll get him to come off the bench as if to say that. Oh, I know that it's a little bit more intense at the start, but is it is it really that much if you're going to play him anyway? Well, I think it's more. It's not just. It's not just about um, him not starting and not being in the intensity of the beginning. It's just I'm not going to play you big minutes. You've got to come off the bench. Oh, okay. uh, I'm going to play you for 30 minutes because you you know you've just come back from an ACL. Like, and look, I've never done ligament damage, but I've uh, I've done cartilage and knees are a funny thing, man. Especially in a sport like football, where there's a psychological thing you just got to get past, where you don't have as much trust in in those in your body. And if you, if you have just that little bit of uncertainty, and like we say, it's like when you go into a tackle, you don't go in hard. That's where you get hurt. Yeah, true. Well, that that is going to be a key uh, key or a big game over the weekend. I think it's on Super Saturday. Don't quite Super me. Saturday, yeah. But well, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna throw my tip. Look, it's it's Monday. We're a long way away. We haven't even so had teamless Tuesday. I haven't even seen the teams yet, but I I'm going to tip the the Knights. I think that I think they can get them. All right, well, there you go. For all anyone from our tipping copper listening, Kaz is on the nights. There you go. And I'm, I'm going to get it right this time because uh, just on the on the weekend just passed yesterday, I I put money on the nights. I backed them with the start because it was so big and juicy. I, they had an eight-point start and I went to 10, and I was like, this is just ridiculous. It's too good. But then because of all the blowouts, I was like, well, I'll chuck a little bit on 13 plus, on the nights 13 plus. <laughs> Because I was like, look, did you tip them? I'm gonna, I forgot to change my tip. I just, I, I, I tipped Canberra at the start of the week, and then I was on, I was sitting there on Sunday, and I was mulling on it. I'm like, I'm feeling good about the nights, and the price is going out. I think it's going to be way closer than that. And then I just put a couple of bets on, and we had some, some gamble responsibly yesterday, and they arrived just about quarter to four, three thirty, and I just hadn't, I hadn't changed my tip yet, so I've just completely forgot about it, and then. 20 minutes into 20 past four, I missed the first you know, 15 minutes of the game. I come in and I'm like, oh, fuck. Knights are up 6-0 and I didn't change my tip. And, but I got a bit more money in my skyrocket. So. Anyway, um, so the... We'll, we'll talk about those games next week. We'll try, we'll debrief them. We obviously have to watch those over the weekend to know what we talk about. So I'm looking forward yep. to getting stuck into those games. All right, but just to, just to finish off the show, I want to I wanted to chat to you about <coughs> some of the candidates <coughs> for the New South Wales spot. So we've got the Haas, we've got the Hookers, and then the fullbacks, the outside backs, and, and how that's going to sort of shape up for for New South Wales. But well, we think. Yeah, something that really sort of has drawn my attention is um, that, I mean, look, we've always had, being New South Wales, uh, a larger pool of players than, than Queensland. Yeah. Um, but I think as, you know, when I look at the halfback position uh, at the moment, we've got Mitchell Pierce is the incumbent who played in game three. Yep. You've got the guy he replaced who was injured in Nathan Cleary. And then you've got Mitchell Moses, who's playing out of his skin, who Freddie has got big raps on, and who looks like is really growing with some personal coaching from the eighth. Yeah. None other than the goat, Andrew Johns. So yep. those are that's a that's going to be interesting, and I, I'm almost actually kind of love for this reason that the Origin's going to be after the finals. Why? Because that's going to I think that's going to play a big part in who's going to be the halfback, because you're going to see you're going to get a whole season of like let's see this let's see how these halfbacks go. 
through the whole season. And ideally, they should be all from teams that should be playing finals football. And let's see how they go in the pressure cookers of finals football and decide who will be the halfback um, for New South Wales. I know we've won the last two series, yep. but I think those are real three, real genuine, genuine options. Um, yep. And it could, you know, it very well could depend on on the performance of of their teams come come October. Sure. You know, I, I mean, who's? It's hard to say who's in front in any way, like because. You can go, well, Cleary's played five of the last six Origins. Yep. Um, Pierce was there at the end, and, you know, he was brilliant last year. Um, yep. Just, for, you know, in his all-round game. And then, you know, you see what Moses is doing this year. So it's an exciting race in the halfback. Now, that's three guys, two two have already played in that position over these last couple of years. But then when you look at the six, that is a position that is vacant. What is it, uh, Kiri? Get a question to the seven. I think, I, th- I think. Well, yeah. Look, I can throw that in there too. It just depends on how you want to mix it. I think, of course, he can play seven. We saw what he did to Melbourne in two thousand eighteen. He can play seven. He can play six. It's just how you want to play your team. Um, it depends what role you want to give to Kiri. I mean, I, I mean, again, I mean, at that stage in, in that level of rep footy in Origin, you, you're not necessarily going to have as much of a dominant half in. As much in club land because these guys are both rep football players. The half and the five eight, they're there because they're fucking awesome. They're probably the leaders of their halves in their teams. Yeah. Um, but I think it just comes down to who are the other players playing other positions. Oh, I, look, I think Kiri has it's just the six is yours, um, unless we decide depending on injuries how you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Because I fantasize, I fantasize with having Kiri at seven and Jack Wyden at six. I go, yeah. Fuck, how would that be? And have you got a right and a left foot kicker. And have a Troy Mitchell in the centers. Yeah, you could have Latrell Mitchell in the centres with Tommy Trevojevic, and then you've got Tedesco at the back, and you've got what, Blake Ferguson and Kotrick on the wing. Like, fuck, Jesus. <laughs> so, but, so, but, you know, if you've got if you've got those three, if you've got Pierce and Cleary and, and Moses playing out of their skin, and maybe that's... It, it, basically, I guess it comes down to how good are the centres for Whiten to shift from... Because Whiten's in the, he's going to be in the team, so is he going to play six or is he going to play centre? But imagine this team. Imagine this team. Hear me out. We've got uh, Cleary at seven. I think he's going to play halfback. We have Kiri at six. We have Latrell at one centre. Wyden, the other centre. Ferguson and Chaboyevich, the wingers. And Tedesco at fullback. That's a brilliant team. I think that's a great team. They're going to be... There's so much fire. Imagine that. Imagine that! <laughs> yeah. Well, I am keen to look. Well, so I'm keen to see Cleary, Cleary back in action as well because I'm probably not as big of a fan of him as you are. Not to say that I'm not a fan. Yeah, um, I'm not as big a fan. I don't, of, rate, him, I don't rate him as highly. Yeah, well, I don't rate him. I, I I agree with the rating that you give him. To be fair, I just feel as though Cleary. It's hard to go past a back-to-back halfback, uh, halfback in two origin series. You know what I mean? The well, guys want two origins here. Game three, bro. Like, you know, you could say he's the incumbent as well. Cleary's won two origin series. Pierce has won one. Yeah, oh, well, Cleary's won two origin series. So is, I mean, Adam Mogg won two origin series. Yeah, but at halfback? <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that. But, you know, that's Malone. I think that's that's more Maloney than it is Cleary. Fair enough. But I'm just no, I don't knock him. I, th- I thought he was great. I, There's I a reason why they picked him in game one and not Maloney. He didn't freeze up. He didn't make errors. He defended really well. He's got all of those origin <coughs> qualities. I have Pierce in front of him. Yeah, well, they didn't pick Maloney in game one. They picked Cleary in game one. So there's got to be a reason for why they're picking Cleary. 
Although Maloney saved his ass, although Maloney saved his ass in games two and three, definitely I mean, right there. We lost game one, didn't we? Like, You're definitely you know, right there. But what I'm saying is they picked him before they picked Maloney. So he's still first pick in the That's house. Fine. Plain and simple. That's fine. Um, you know, who, who they pick and who I think they should pick are not always the same thing. Yes, we know that. We went through this heartache for a long period of time. Yeah. Well, I, when you sort of, you know, move into talking about these spines, yep. you know, this is going to be a fun contest. Now, look, Tedesco's, no one's moving Tedesco from the one. Yep. He's going to be the fullback. And, it, like, when you've got a guy like Trebojevic who can't even play fullback, like, that's how good he is. Yep. Um, but there is some talent. You know, you've got, when you've got Tedesco, you've got Trebojevic, and to me, I think the, the number three in New South Wales is Clint Gutherson. Gutho, yep. Yeah. Whiten, Whiten's an option. Whiten's an option. Look, Whiten's just footballer. You can put him anywhere. But six is, I think that's his best position. And, um, and the other option. the other option that is uh, being touted is uh, old Pappenhausen down there at the Melbourne Storm. But you got Pappenhausen, and look, let's see how the rest of this year goes. But, you know, potentially you've got a, a guy like Luttrell as well. Now, I think Luttrell will continue to grow into this position. I think he's, you know, I love, I, I love, I would say I love, but I find it really funny how quick everyone has been to jump on him. Yep. You know, since he's been a fullback. Oh, he's not, no, he's just not fit enough. They moved to move him to centre. He looks lost. He looks, he's got one game, two games. Like, he's not fit enough. You know, he should just move back to the centres and they should put him there and that's, he's just not sure what he's doing. You know, he's not a fullback. It's like, well, he's always played fullback going through. So I don't think he doesn't know how to play it. He's also 22 and you've given him one or two games and you've been the harshest critic possible on him. And secondly, how do you think someone's going to get fit enough to play fullback? Run the case. Play, yeah, run the case. But you, you know, okay. Look, preseason. Yes, he, you know, you should have been been. You have the whole preseason to get fit for it. The other way to do it, fucking play fullback. That's how you get fit enough to play fullback by playing fullback. True. That's very true. You know, and to be honest, it's it's not like it's like oh no, look, we, we're going to have to shift the child to the centres because we've got Pappenhausen. We're going to play him at fullback. But the the other option is Alex Johnston. If you ask me, who I'd rather have at fullback, I'll have Latrell Mitchell and I'll take the errors. <laughs> well, because he's been, ex- he's been excellent. He'll fucking give you tries and he'll break tackles and like, you know, and he's already, look how much he's already gotten better in these couple of weeks. Yeah, he's been excellent these last two weeks. He did that one drop ball against the Roosters in the, on the 20th mm. minute and from then on he was, he was the best for South Sydney for the rest of that game and he could have been arguably the best on the field in that game. And then uh, against the Storm, he was all class. There was that moment I remember. It was the first time they had Roger Tuivasa Sheck playing fullback, where he was, where he was interchanging from uh, fullback to winger. And I remember falling in love with Roger Tuivasa Sheck and the whole way that the Roosters were playing, and it just highlighted, you know, more about Trent Robinson's regime, how he has it, how they just—it's just like it's taken these getting the best footballers out there and being able to execute, being able to do what the best footballers are supposed to do. And then, build a great culture to enable great football. But what, 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 what it was, was I used to see two of us to Sheck would get into first receiver on a short side. And that's Darren Lockyer-esque, where the fullback just comes up. Carmichael Huddle do it. Caleb Ponga yeah. started doing it. But those are the type of guys that you consider as genuine sixes. So Lockie yeah. ended up moving into six. Carmichael Hunt is a six. Just 
just they had to put him at fullback because he just was the like Docky was playing six. I think they might have exactly. moved Lockie for. Him. I think exactly. they might have moved Lockie for him, but at the same time, he was a fullback that could play six. Uh, Pong is that type of guy. Roger Tuivasa-Sheck was a winger. He played on the yeah. wing. We knew that he was always going to be a fullback, and those rugby union fullbacks. They're the type of guys that play like a six in rugby league a little bit as well. Yeah, well, they're you know they're a ten, aren't they? They're yeah, a ten or a fifteen. Exactly, they they interchangeable just like the fullback and the five eights interchangeable in um in rugby rugby league. So he was able to get in that first receiver and he'd he'd make shots and he'd he'd be able to create a little bit, uh, ask a few questions, but he only really had one season at the Roosters to have the luxury of being able to chime in when it was you know necessary. Luttrell Mitchell was doing that the other night where he was just slipping in at first receiver. I think that he might have done that wonky pass. Yeah. Or, or there was one time where he sort of, he hit the man, but they didn't get over the line or whatever. Just the just the hands and the class and the, it was like Matt Boylan in, in, in some instances, but it's Luttrell Mitchell doing it. Mm. Who's twice yeah, the size hardest, of him, you know, twice his dynamic. 110 kilos. Yes. So it was like when Boylan slips in on the short side to do a little play, Latrell's in there doing it now. And so that's that's where he has attributes that are probably better than some of the other fullbacks. It's the, the, it's the just, skill. Yeah, he's, got the, he's just got that touch. He's got that so football football class and talent, now, that feel for the game. Well, I, think, I think six is his future. Not now, but yeah. I, reckon, I think he'll move to six in maybe the next four or five years. Yeah, well, he know, could, as he gets to he his could, just past his mid twenties, like he's got all the youth and the explosiveness, but I think he shifts to well, play he, six. He won't be playing six until he's earned his fullback money and then played it, and then after he's yes. got the fullback money contract and played it, they won't be able to offer him that again because they'll know they'll be moving him to six. So then after that, then he'll probably move into the six position. But he's gone there for the fullback like money. Let him get the fullback money. But to he has be to fair, do the though, like you job. say, fullback money. If you're a good enough six, you'll get the same money. Munster, Whiten, Kiri. Oh, I don't know if they're on the same money as Tedesco, Chabovic. No. Uh, well, m- maybe not. Maybe not. Like, I don't know exactly what they're on, but it's. I don't think it's necessarily like fullback money because William Kennedy plays fullback for the Sharks. Yeah, but... Or Dylan Edwards, who plays fullback for the Panthers. He's not getting an upgrade because he's playing fullback. Yeah, but he's not getting you know? fullback money. <laughs> Well, it's it's it was not so much fullback money; it's just like key spine money. Yeah, right. you're a key. You're one of our key spine cogs. You know, the the best teams have to have at least three out of those four spine positions being, you know, fullback really money. Key cogs for <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah do, no, you know, you're, so, right. you're right. You're right. Um, you're right. But we'll see. We'll see. Now, look, the last position is um, hooker. is obviously hooker, where we've got Cookie. You know, yeah. the Australian the Australian incumbent hooker. Um, but I think it's probably the out of the spine. There's probably I think there's less depth in that position outside of Cook. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying there isn't depth. I just think there's less depth okay, than there true, is in the true. halves and fullback. Yeah, actually, you're right. There's definitely less depth. Because like, all right. So I, I think I think we'll agree on who number two is. But who? Who, who's your number two after Cook? Coruscant. New South Wales. Coruscant. Coruscant. Happy Coruscant. Agree. Yeah, who's number three? McInnes. Cameron McGuinness, yeah. okay. Yeah, he's pretty good too, yeah. I suppose you kind of forget about him because he's unfortunately playing for the Dragons at the moment. But number but four? Yeah, but number four? I don't know who number four is. Where's Harry Grant from? That's my number four. Harry, he's a Queenslander. Well, that, I, I just said that's my number four, just the question. The question? 
But number four is where's Aaron Graham from? Sadly, he's not from New South Wales. Hello? Yes, it is sad that he's not from New South Wales. <laughs> look, I, we feel this way many times, but look, we got we got Payne Haas. Yeah, we got Payne Haas. Right. <laughs> we get to keep Kiri, so... We can't be too critical. We're moving on. We're Tony Stags. It is what it is. Yeah, but that's right. But that, that's what I mean. That was for number four. If, who's my number four for New South Wales is... Where's Harry Grant from? But he, okay, so we can't go at number four. We'll have to go at number five then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, look. I mean, Happy Coruscant has been great for the Panthers. That's a fantastic buy. And obviously, Manly will be spewing that um, they don't have him. Or uh, was it Mahe Fanua? Was it was his date? Oh, Manasi Fayudu. Fayudu, yeah, yeah. Who unfortunately had some off-field issues, which means he's not playing. Um, no doubt they would have kept Coruscant if, if they knew that. But, <laughs> you know, that's, I think that was a position they were lacking last year, Penrith, you know, is that nine. And I think that's definitely going to, that helps and lifts that or by having a guy like Happy Coruscant in there. Yeah, and it goes and to think, him, though. Like, you could have another nine that does a decent job, but I think he does more than a decent job. He is like... Oh, yeah, he's got so much spark and creativity yeah, that comes off him. You know, he brings yeah. life out of that out of the, the um, you know, straight out the ruck and, and explosiveness and speed and you know he's another threat he's not just a guy feeding the ball to the next guy yeah you're right there and that's, uh, that's really important so so is that all you could so when you were talking about you know maybe one or two options was it really only Coruscant or McGuinness was there anyone else that you were thinking of I no there's no one else that really well look I'm sure there is obviously a, there is a number four but if I can't think of it you know if I can't pinpoint who it is right now then those are the three Reynolds you know and then there's a step Josh off. Reynolds oh look I love Josh Reynolds at nine he's fucking brilliant <laughs> you know, I just want to see him play footy Michael Ennis yeah disappointing he's a good player but that's alright I just want to see him play footy now Harry Grant's a good yeah. player and he, he does deserve to start and it'll be interesting yeah. to see this is one thing I want to know is can the Tigers uh, manoeuvre their way to keep Grant? Is there anything that Grant would like to stay at the Tigers other than a first-grade gig? If he's guaranteed a first-grade gig at Melbourne Storm, I, I find that difficult to pass up, to be honest. What, to to pass up the Storm for the Tigers? Yeah. Well, yeah, it, opportunity. It just depends on opportunity. Yeah. Now, to be fair, Cameron Smith's like 37 this year. So, I mean, you could still, as Harry Grant, you could be like, well, I can't be that far away, but the cheese is going to be the nine before me. Is he though? Is he though? I don't know. Maybe he's going to play lock. Maybe he'll just play lock and they can have, you have cheese at 13 and have a nine. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm sure the Melbourne Storm are going to be like, look, we'll, we'll keep him. We'll take him back. You can have more, um, more, yeah. Paul, Paul, Paul Mimorowski. 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 Mate, yeah. don't no, forget sure that name. Forget that guy because I was very proud of his effort for the Chooks a couple of years ago when he was there. Yeah, so, yeah of course he would. But I think there'll definitely be some wiggle room if he plays if he if he plays a lot of footy for the Tigers and you know they'll try and find a way to I'll throw some money and, and a lot of a deal at him then you know those sort of things can happen. <laughs> but that kind of goes back to the I don't mean we haven't seen loan players often. You know it doesn't really happen that much in yeah does it ever does it ever really happen? So it's hard to really gauge. You know? cool. Um, but based off a couple of performance, yeah, look, of course the Tigers want to keep him, and why the fuck would the Storm want to let him go? <laughs> why yeah. we want to let a good player go? Of course not. True, true. Um, anyway, Kaz. Um, it has been an absolute spectacular. 
spectacular chat tonight. I've enjoyed every minute of it, as I usually do. Uh, but yeah. we will have to wrap it up there. It's been a pleasure. The Roosters, this week we've got the Bulldogs, I think it is. Yep. Yes, uh, but yes, we've got the Bulldogs the Sunday afternoon. Done. Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Four o'clock. Anyway, I think we will call it a night there. Mate, fantastic. Can't wait for another round of 40. Only three days away. How good is it? Exactly right. Anyway, three days away. Up the chooks. Paka! Paka! <laughs>